Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to Radio Rehab. If you would like to contact us, the phone number is 415-496-9511. You can call or text even when we're not in studio. Email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. And on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. So today's episode, producer Shar and I are here to talk a little bit about uh, depression. Basically what's happened is Anthony Bourdain uh, took his own life. Kate Spade took her own life a couple days before that. And I feel like it's time to open up the conversation about this a little because I know I mainly talk about addiction and recovery and I don't really talk about depression or um, anxiety or any of the other things that I struggle with. And I think I'm going to, to be honest, there's a little bit of a stigma. Like, you know, when you're in the program, you don't want to have to take anything to feel better. You don't want to have to be on anything. But a lot of us do need outside help. Well, I'm, and I think, I'm, yeah, just mental mental health, mental disease Yeah, in general. It's like when, when it's in, you know, like when you know that... I guess I mean I guess the same thing goes with you know the the disease of addiction is that people say when they've got it they don't want anybody to know about it you know what yeah. I mean like I you know like I grew up with knowing people with you know with mental illness and and I've watched you know like the their family go through that and go oh, we don't talk about that. You know, like, you don't know about that. And, you know. Yeah, the families especially get really embarrassed. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, like, with myself, it's like I, uh, as Filipinos are really embarrassed about that kind of stuff. Right. And they don't, they, it's like, don't talk about it. Don't admit it. And almost like a case of denial in a, in a weird way. And same thing with Southern people is they don't, it's like, you're depressed? Oh, well, get, snap out of it. They don't, they don't want you to be on meds. It's like, oh, no, don't do that. Like, like that's the worst thing you could do is have to be on medication, what? which is terrible. I was just watching... I was just watching a movie or a show where they were talking about how it was a culture or it was a region or something and they're like we don't we don't go to therapy <laughs> like it was like they're all proud of it yeah yeah, yeah kind of or we don't that, take kindly to therapy in these parts yeah like you don't do that only you know only white people go to therapy or you know like something right. something like that i got to i can't remember for the life of me i'll have to if if i could figure out what it is i'll if i i'll, I'll remember to uh, mention it next time but what's interesting um is it's weird how the timing of all of this stuff kind of comes up with the with the Kate Spade, with with Anthony Bourdain, with like two days apart. I know two days apart, and just recently I started seeing on my social media feed, on my Facebook feed, of people talking about mental illness, like them, like we know somebody mutually who had to get himself kind of you know he needed a gut check, yeah, and he and he basically was like I don't want to talk about the I, I I'm talking about it. I'm talking about like all the things that are messed up inside my head because I you know like f all this bullshit. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. And like we have to have an open conversation about it. And so with you know, like in lieu of this weekend, and it was one of those Kate Spade. Yes, hit me. It was just like oh that's sad. Mm-hmm. You know, but but Anthony Bourdain was like you know like I'm a traveler and I love to travel and I did. When I traveled, 
I related, like, I f- went, my whole Singapore trip in November, we basically, on the plane, we watched uh, the layover, his Singapore episode, and we marked all the places that we wanted to see while, you like, that's the kind of influence that Anthony Bourdain had on everybody around the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's like when he passed, it's like the whole world kind of turned upside down and it really is kind of shedding a light on this in a different way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was sad for everybody and it bums me out that one thing about him that I was related to, uh, and this is why I thought he was cool, is he was kind of like the punk rock chef guys because right. I know he used to be a heroin addict. So I'm like, oh, I relate to him. Everybody related to him on some level. And for me personally, I... I've always wondered how does a former heroin addict go around drinking beer like it's normal you know, or, you know, like a normal person. And how is that going to affect you? I've it, always wondered. It reminds me of our relationship from way back when, when I was just like, well, you were a heroin addict, but you were, you can do Coke, right? <laughs> I watched you do Coke. I watched you do a line of Coke at a party. And then I was just like, well, she does heroin. Let it be known that was 10 years ago, by the way. Oh, okay, yeah, of course. But, of course. Right, that's right. what I meant. Was like 15 years <laughs> <Except> ago. That, <laughs> but so, yeah. But it, Oh, yeah. But then, but people like you, I loved because you didn't do drugs and you knew nothing about it. So I could easily tell you, yes, it is okay for me to do cocaine because I was just a heroin addict. Same way with Jeremy, how I was able to tell him. It's absolutely okay for me to drink because I was just a heroin addict. When it turns out, you know, none of that was true. And then, I, and then I recently, actually, yeah, last night I was reading about it, and I read that, yeah, that you know, Anthony Bourdain, you know, he drank, but he, it was it it was weird in the way that they described it because they said he didn't really drink alone. He kind of drank socially and like on camera, but he didn't mix it. With like kind of like it was like weird like you didn't mix it with his personal life you're drinking and how you're does drinking. someone know if they if someone drinks alone or not like isn't that the whole point they're alone like how do you know what they do yeah when alone? I I don't know but then it was for of course what was the first thing I do I was like I text Dana because you're my expert with all <laughs> yes. this stuff so I was like I was like. So this is really interesting. I just learned that Anthony Bourdain, he used to be obviously he was addicted to you know heroin and cocaine before, but he drinks. So is he like, is he like a, what was it? Is he a unicorn? <laughs> I, and you know what? Like that, I guess only time will tell what comes out in, in the wash and with the toxicology reports and everything. I just know for myself personally, I can't do anything that alters my mind or I become, I become depressed. Like I was like suicidally depressed. So I was suicidally depressed a year ago. Or was that a year ago? Was a, as I, all I know is that 18 months sober, I was so depressed. I could not, I just couldn't function. I couldn't make myself do anything. I was content to just sit there and stare at the wall and I wanted to die. And I felt like I was never going to get out of it. And that's when I went to a psychiatrist and allowed myself to not feel bad about having to be on medication. And what they gave me is Prozac. And I'm not saying that's going to work for everybody, but for me, it's been a lifesaver, which is really funny because Prozac is one of the oldest known antidepressants. Right. They have a million of them nowadays. And like I've tried everything. I've, I've been on so many different ones throughout my life. I've been on Effexor, Serazone, Celexa, Wellbutrin, like all these different ones. And none of them really worked for me. And it turns out it's the most obvious old school one that happens to be the one that works for me. 
this is interesting. Well, this is interesting because we can actually have this conversation out loud, so to yeah. speak. Because I vaguely remember you going through that, but we didn't talk about much of what was going on with you. You just kind of did the something's not right with me. Right. Yeah, you and I would have we were we were talking about stuff and you're just like, I just don't feel right. And I remember you texting me that or telling me that on the phone or whatever. You're like something you you just kept telling me that something's not right. But then I didn't so I didn't realize what you were actually going through, but then you're like, I'm going to go see somebody. And you I remember you coming back and going, he put me on this stuff and I don't know. Was it Prozac right yeah, away? Because mm-hmm. I remember you said that you told me that he put you on something, but I could I thought it was something else. But okay, so he put you on Prozac right away, and you're just like, we're gonna see how it goes and whatever. And then you were telling me that it's made a difference. Yeah, and like almost right away, I could feel a little bit of a difference, and I had hope again. But it's like you didn't know how depressed I was because I didn't talk about it, and that's what scares me to death about hearing like somebody like Anthony Bourdain, who you look at, who does not seem like the kind of person to kill himself at all. Mm-hmm. Is it scares me to death because I was not reaching out to people and saying, hey, I'm so depressed I want to die. That's the thing about depressed people is a lot of times they don't reach out. So it's like it becomes other people's job or becomes, you know, the job of all their friends to know that they're depressed. And how do you know? How how are you supposed to do that? And to figure out how to be there for them, which is really complicated. Mm -hmm. It's just fucking complicated. And confusing. It's sad. So I mean, like, for for those, like, what's like, what's like a sign of that? I mean, like, like you, what were you doing? Were you just you were literally were just staring at the walls, not wanting to do anything? Yeah, and see, that's the thing is the bear was gone all day because he was time, at, at work. The, he was at working work all day, and he worked far away from home, so he didn't see me. And I would like go to a meeting, and even those weren't helping me at that point. Were you working at KFOG already? No. So no, you weren't doing anything? I started working there. Okay. And so, like, I was just so depressed. I would go to meetings. It's like it was no different than I was in Sonoma, though, when I was incredibly happy and high on life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and, and I would go to meetings, and I would not get anything out of it. And I would come home, and there would only be this little period of time before he had to go to bed. So he didn't see how depressed I was all day, really. Mm-hmm. And he's not the kind of person that, like, you know, and I told him, I'd be like, I think I'm depressed. And he'd be like, what do you think we have this great insurance for? <laughs> go get help. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, I think I will tomorrow. And it just, it, it, it I think it, I hit a real bottom with the depression when I finally was like, oh, oh my God, I need help. And, oh, and this is one thing. He took a day off from work to help me get my doctors. I couldn't even make a doctor's appointment. That's how depressed I was. I couldn't figure out how to make a doctor's appointment. Like I needed to get everything checked at that point. You know, it's like I might as well, since we have this insurance now, mm-hmm. I might as well get a physical, you know, and a pap smear and, and everything. Um, and Oh, and, and see the psychiatrist. But like I couldn't... I couldn't navigate through a website. That's how depressed I was. What's interesting is, listeners, you're hearing me like light bulbs coming off on my head because it's peace. It's making things more. It's making more sense to me now. You're like, that's what was going on. Yeah, no, no, seriously, because I remember those times back then when I was just like, and I seemed weird, but you couldn't put your finger on it. You couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on it, and you were. A little, like, I was trying to get us motivated to do more with the show, but we weren't really getting anywhere, and I was getting really frustrated at the time, and I was just like, 
come on. Like, and you know, like, I don't know any different. Yeah. Period. Like, I don't know any different. Period. Period. And then you <laughs> being depressed, like, that didn't, like, that's not, like, I'm just sitting there going, well, I guess I just need to be supportive because she's, like, trying to work through her shit. You know what yeah. I mean? But at the same time, I'm, like, sitting there going, dude, why can't we just move? Like, let's go. Let's, exactly. like, come on. And that's how I think a lot of people feel around depressed people is, like, but look around you. Everything is great. Let's get going. Uh- and it's like I wasn't connecting to what was it real around me or, or, or in retrospect, what was actually happening around and me. I, I would... guess I guess when you say when you're saying to me, like, things aren't right. I mean, like that was like, that's a lot for you to say. Right. That's, it was, that, that was a struggle for me to even just say that. And but you were like, things just don't seem right. I just don't feel you know, like in, I, and I just took it as like, OK, well, she just needs to kind of get into your groove because at that time i think at that time too you just moved out here and you were just uh it had been like uh yeah it was around the time i had just moved out here but i had maybe been here like a couple months right well that's what i mean and you're still settling here you didn't have your mean you didn't have your you didn't have your community right because your community in sonoma was was a big deal and you know, even to this day, it's still the big. It's a bigger deal, you know. Like yeah, a big I still deal. go up to Sonoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, to hear to hear it now, just kind of, it's like it's almost like wow. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. You know that that kind of struggle, that kind of push and pull that we were having when we were trying to produce the show together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was difficult. Like I said, he had to take the day off work to sit there with me. And help me find an appointment. And it was like, he was getting so frustrated with me because I, he was like, look, there's five therapists, pick one. And I was just, I mean, I could not make a decision. I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. It was so, I just wanted to curl up in a ball and die. It was only, so sad. I can only imagine you, like you, you, you're a pain in the ass to make a decision. Normally. <laughs> I know, imagine that. Dude, those days where let's like and my mom would call. She was the only one I was like really, really honest with. And I'd just be like, Mom, I'm so depressed. And she was like, What's wrong? And I was like, Nothing. <laughs> Literally, I don't know. Nothing. I can't tell what's wrong. I just don't wanna move. It's like I just felt I just felt like like there was just, like I don't know like I was on Thorzine or something or or like I was trying to move through gelatin when I'm trying to navigate through life. It was just really difficult, and I couldn't. It, it was too hard to talk about because if ever I can't tell my grandmother because I don't want her to worry. Mm-hmm. You know, I like don't want to tell my mom. I don't want my mom to worry either. And like I didn't really want to tell the bear because everybody who's close to me who's not an alcoholic or an addict. I'm worried that they're going to think if I say I'm depressed, that in their mind, they're going to go, oh, my God, you're going to drink, you know, or, oh, shit, she's going to drink. And they're going to be like looking for drinking signs or for drugging signs all over the place. But like I was so depressed, I didn't even want to (laughs) drink. That's how depressed I was. I was so depressed. It didn't occur to me that I even drank ever. Like alcohol didn't. It's not even something I thought about. So. So this is interesting because. In the last year, a couple years, there's been a lot of kind of. Spe- I mean, they say that the suicide rate is climbing, right? They it's like climbed astronomically. I think it's like something like thirty nine percent last year, right? Something something like that. And then we were having the conversation last night about how 
obviously it gets heightened when and people are noticing it when it's a celebrity. Yeah. When it's happening to a celebrity. But there's been a handful of them within the last couple of years that have kind of hit hard with you know with the world with the yeah. I mean weren't there two around it's like last year Chris Cornell Chester Bennington this year Kate Spade Anthony Bourdain it's like so I mean how many people are there that we don't know about because they're not famous that are killing themselves right because you don't hear about it in and the news. then and then even if you go you know a few years back or four years back with Robin Robin Williams, Williams and they say that all of those, you know, like they stem from bouts of depression, but then it also stems from like all of these guys. I think the common denominator here is that all of these people had a history of addiction as well. Exactly. And that's the other thing that I don't feel like anybody's talking about. And I don't know if it's like they feel like they're talking badly about the dead. If they say something, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's that at all. I mean, like. Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell were both former addicts and alcoholics. And there was traces of that stuff found in their system when they died. I mean, I highly doubt that they went, I'm going to kill myself, so I'm just going to have this glass of beer or whatever. Because it wasn't like a lot of alcohol. It was like a minimal amount, in my opinion. Um, Actually, minimal amount, probably in anybody's opinion, not just mine. Do do you recall Robin Williams? Was he was there was his toxicology report? I know that there was medication in his system and like antidepressants, and then there was alcohol, and there was also like alcohol found near the body. Gotcha. And it's in like I know that he was somebody who struggled with that as well. And it seems to me, and and the other thing is, it's like I imagine it must be so hard to be famous and to go to twelve step meetings where the whole thing is you're supposed to be anonymous. Because my dad wasn't, like, face famous. I mean, unless he was, like, in a record store, then Mm. people, you know what I mean? But he was enough so that it was difficult for him to go to meetings without somebody going, oh, I heard you'd move to town. Hey, come check out my band. Or here's my demo. Like, I used to see that shit all the time when Mm -hmm. he would try to drag me to meetings, so he would be forced to go to one himself, too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I can only imagine, I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is. Like, for somebody like Anthony Bourdain to go, oh, I think I want to, you know, quit drinking and go to a meeting where Everybody then knows you, and then he's worried about like, oh, wait a second, now that's half my show is the drinking with people, having a drink with people. Like, Mm -hmm. that's part of his whole thing that he does. How is he going to not do that? I I mean, it must have been such a mind fuck if that was even an issue for him to come up with. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah, for these celebrities, it's really hard. I know in L.A., and I'm sure there are in San Francisco, there are like meetings like like my dad went to a meeting that was just for musicians mm-hmm. you know where they were all there's all famous people in there mm-hmm. um and and i know a lot of a lot of famous people that are sober that still go to a lot of meetings and they go to those kind of meetings because they don't get bothered but they do still go to other meetings and they do still help people you know and they do still show people that it can be done yeah i mean like yeah, in general. I mean, like, in the type of work that we do in general. I mean, like, this is a super, like, what we do for a living is super social. And, and you know, it is about partying and going to concerts and... Right, and you and, get offered free alcohol yeah, so often. Yeah, bar nights, you know, like, all of this stuff. Right. 
like well, we you and I laugh every time Sale sends you something that tells you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, like I'm I'm reading an ad for or reading a commercial for something. We're like, this is the best beer in the bay. <laughs> like, like I fucking know, uh-huh. <laughs> right? It, it's uh, so it is. I could, you know, like for celebrities. I mean, it's you know, a when you do stuff like that you're yeah you're looked at and you're watched and you're watched how you do things and you've got to do it under a spotlight and you know yeah it's just like you have all the same problems that you had before and all the same problems that everybody else has but you're under a spotlight because it's like you know i would look at people i was thinking that when i was growing up like what if i was famous when i was a teenager oh my god i would have just shamed the shit out of my family would have been a real Ashonda. I wow, they would have they would have hated me. I mean, the stuff I did, like Robert Downey Jr. did some crazy stuff, but it's like I was in some situations that made his stuff look really tame, and I would not want to be. I don't want to be known for that. I can't imagine like that kind of a stigma where you're stuck with that. You know, well, like, you were featured on the uh, behind the music. I was featured on the behind the music. <laughs> that is true. Sitting there going, <laughs> and I'm texting you, going, <laughs> "What's wrong with you during that episode?" <laughs> like, what do you think is wrong with me during that episode? <laughs> I was a drug addict. No, but in the other thing about like wh- one thing that it's it's so hard because I know like it's hard not to judge people we want to judge people but we don't want to judge people but like where suicide goes is it's like I know that that one time where I was really serious about it where I took those two weeks and wrote a note to everybody I knew absolving them of any guilt not that that would have helped obviously uh, because that was important to me to not fuck other people up on my way out that's why it's difficult for me to uh, but but I mean these people are leaving notes but that's why it's difficult for me to understand why why a public figure wouldn't leave a note saying, hey, kids, don't do this. Even though I know that one thing about depression is that depression, the way it's like alcoholism or addiction, is that it tells you shit that's not true in your head. Like depression tells you your kids are way better off without you and you're a shitty parent for staying alive. Like because you're just that bad of a parent. That's the stuff depression tells you. When in reality, everyone on the outside knows that's not true. And the world is better with you in it, especially if you have kids, your kids need you. Don't leave them with that. But for a depressed person and they believe that they think they're doing everyone a favor by killing themselves. And that is so sad. And then you have outside people looking in going, oh, you're selfish. Are those the thoughts that you had when you were super depressed? That the world would be better off without me? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this, I'm killing my family. They probably hate me. They probably hate every second that I'm alive. Totally. I mean, all that, like, I was just taking up space in the world is how I felt. Like, I'm just like one more negative thing for people to hear about and think about. And like, once I like really felt like once I was gone, people would be able to be happy. I felt like I was a black cloud in people's lives. And that if I just dissipated, that they would be able to carry on and have happy lives. Which is, of course, obviously not true. And, you know, considered from like past spaces when you actually did disappear yeah. into a black cloud and we were trying to find you for three years. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like that, those things don't register. <laughs> I know. And it's hard. It's even like, though I, you know, do struggle with this once when I get it under control, it's hard for me to look at somebody when they kill themselves and, and have it make sense to me too, even though I've gone through that and felt those feelings. But like the, the thing about, 
the thing about like depressed people and suicide is it's like one thing I remember from those times when I was suicidally depressed is the things that meant the most to me were like I had a friend who just came over and sat with me because everybody was going on the thing she's drinking she's obviously drinking and I had didn't hadn't started drinking or doing anything at that point I was just depressed mm-hmm. um and you know a friend of mine came over and just sat with me and she had just gotten married and I felt terrible because I wasn't able to be happy for her not because I wasn't happy for her but because I just didn't want to be alive I was just so sad that I couldn't feel happiness for anybody mm-hmm. I I I was happy for her on the level that I could be, but I couldn't. And she understood that and she made it okay. And she just sat there with me. And that I appreciated. And I appreciated people who brought me food knowing goddamn well I was not going to open the door for them. And just sat on the other side of the door while I stayed inside because I wouldn't open the door because I didn't want anybody to see me. Hmm. You know, and it's like those are those are like those are the things I think that people need to do for people in their life who are depressed. But it's like in this day and age with the Internet and with people posting selfies of everywhere they go. How the hell are you supposed to tell if somebody's depressed? You can't. Yeah, true. Like Anthony Bourdain. Nobody thought he was depressed. Right, right, right. So when you. uh, So the bear helped you get help by. Taking the day off of work and doing- yeah, he took the day off of work. He He's went- like, "Here's a doctor. Call the doctor." And he handed me. There's the number. So I called, and it's like, I mean, I had forgotten how to talk. I didn't even know what to say, and it, which is easier when you get to leave a message. But like my my uh, psychiatrist answered the phone. I love this guy. He's got a thick New York accent. He answered the phone I'm like, "Hello," and I was like, "I I I need help." <laughs> Really? Oh, God, I can't imagine what I sounded like, you know? Like, I was like, I need help. He's like, all right, what what, what do you, you need to come in? You need to make an appointment? I'm like, yeah, appointment, That that's it, appointment. <laughs> like, And then he was just like, he get, and then that's the thing, is he gave me a bunch of options for appointments, and I just went, uh. <laughs> and that's what a good doctor is, he, he, he is. is. He knew, he's like, okay, this girl can't make a decision to save her ass, so... How about this day and time? And I went, yes. And then somehow I got there, you know, and then I, it it all got better. But even now, like, it's still a struggle. Like, there are days I just don't want to move. Like, one thing for me is exercise, which is really, I don't exercise to stay in shape. I exercise because if I don't sweat and get my endorphins up, because that's really the key mixture for me is my endorphins plus the Prozac. Like, that's the mixture that, that keeps me okay. Hmm. Like, once I do that, like, it's it's like when I exercise, it kicks everything into where it's supposed to be. But, like, if I just sit there and don't do anything, I just get sucked into a depression. And it's impossible to even, like, leave the house. Like, a lot of days it's a struggle for me to even go outside. But I do it. And I can't lose track of the fact that there are people with untreatable uh, depression who don't have that. Mm-hmm. Like where I'm thinking uh, this sucks, but you know, but I do it anyway. Well, there's people with untreatable depression that can't even do that and they're stuck in it. And that's got to really suck. So, was this doctor was he like a therapist or just a doctor that trying to check you out to make psychiatrist or psychologist, whichever one describes antidepressants. Uh, psychiatrist. So, so he kind of you talk to him a little bit. Yeah, like yeah, he's, he he goes through, he knows every single thing about your brain chemistry mm-hmm. and and you know, your biology and all that. And he asked you a bunch of questions. I uh, had me tell him exactly. And, and, you know, and I was really honest with him. I was like, look, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovering drug addict. He also happens to specialize in addiction medicine. 
So I picked the right guy somehow. Like, so that's really cool. Is that who you picked with? Oh, wait, so I, I didn't know that. Well, I no, no, no. Like, uh, so when Bear said, okay, here's five people, you just went, that one? I literally went, that name is Jewish. I'll take him. <laughs> that's the only thing. I'm not going to lie. That's the only thing. No, I, I knew like, I knew. Oh, it. I love his last I, name. Well, I knew it had something to do with that when you said that it was like a dude with a New York accent. Yes, <laughs> I was, I was like, like, I'm I know, Oh, it had to do with his name or where he's from or something. Yes. Like, there was something in there that made you choose. <laughs> and he's fabulous. And I love him. And yeah, and he's like. And so you see him regularly or you see him when you need to get. I Well, I, I backed off my appointments and I was going once every three months but i just changed that so i'm going once a month again okay uh just to have it because there's been times where you know like really good things happen in my life and i i feel good and then i'm like i don't know if i need to be on this anymore because really deep down i don't want to be on anything right right, you know like i just don't but if that's what i have to take to make me the right version of myself then so be it it's when things are really good and I'm not feeling happy, even though everything around me is great and I don't feel good, then that's, you know, but there's been times since I've been on the medication that things have been really shitty around me and I feel great. But it's not just, oh, I said, I know I said the Prozac and the exercise, but it's Prozac, exercise, and meetings. Like mm-hmm. when I lay off the meetings, everything goes oh, to I shit again that. too. Yeah, I know. You've seen that. <laughs> you start freaking out. You're like... <laughs> When I'm about I think, to sue Facebook five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think I, I, we must have uh, talked about this on the show before. That one viral video of the little kids. There's a oh, there's a, it's a viral video of uh, two little toddlers uh, where there's this little boy eating. He's probably like he's probably Schmoch's age, like three or four years old, and then his little sister is in the little the little chair. Um, trying to eat her food but she's like having this effing meltdown where the kids just like the little girls just like ah, ah, just like food flying everywhere she's just like freaking out and then the little the the older brother goes did you have your nap and then she's like no and he goes well you need it <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen that but it reminds me of that it's like when you like when you're in the when you're like in that mood of like when you call me up like freaking chewing me out for like no real reason <laughs> and i'm like dude have you been to meetings and you're like no i need one and i was like yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> or when I almost kill a TSA agent? <laughs> you know, like, they, well, not that I almost killed her, but God, like, I having to write an amends to a TSA agent, you <laughs> can only imagine. I was fit to be tied. That was after two weeks of no meetings. But, yeah, like, that's one thing I noticed, and that's one thing, like, I try to tell my sponsee because it, it, it's like, when you don't go to meetings, you're going to get depressed. For me, anyway. It's like, if you're not... Like, the promises that we get in recovery are based on if you do the work. And it's like, and this is like, this is around the time, this is like like the most sobriety I've ever had. Because this is like around the time, um, you know, however long that was, 13 years ago, where I relapsed. Where I started chipping, you know, mm-hmm. I started taking the Vicodin and then I drank. Um because I quit going to meetings. So now I'm like really paranoid about going to meetings and making sure I do the right thing. And you can see it all over my life. Like in my relationship, like 
I'll, it's not like we fight more, but I'll engage in this shit. <laughs> you, you know, like if I haven't been to a meeting, it doesn't take long for me to just snap and go buck ass wild. You know, whereas like if I'm going to meetings, I can control that. And if I'm depressed and going to meetings, I can talk about it at the meetings. And inevitably, you'll be surrounded by other people who are depressed who will talk to you. You know, and it's because it helps me so much. But it's like that's the sweet spot I found is Prozac, exercise and meetings. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what works for me. And you know what? There might come a time when that doesn't work. In the beginning of my sobriety, I didn't need any of that. I didn't need anything. I was on a little pink cloud and I was happy, you know, and I, then. Well, you know, I, it dawned on me is that that um, the time that you were depressed, you kept talking about the pink cloud. You're like, the pink cloud is a real fucking thing. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, it was because, wow, I remember a time where I was just like. So happy to not be on anything at all and just so happy mm-hmm. in general. But it's like I I know I need to keep up my program and keep going to meetings and I need to keep taking care of my mental health and keep taking care of my brain. Like, you know, I had two festivals back to back for work. Like there was there was a music festival and there was a comedy festival. Mm-hmm. And I had not taken one day, like literally an entire day off at all. And I think I was telling you this, like that that. A couple Saturdays, or no, like, whenever that Saturday was. Maybe it was last Saturday. Saturday before this past Saturday. Mm. Uh, I could not function. I got up, I drank coffee, I went right back to sleep. And I'm when I say got up, I mean, like, at 11. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I got up early. And I just, my body was just like, no, you're done. And it, I had to sleep, mm-hmm. like, all day. And I was able to go to bed early that night. Mm. It's like, sometimes you just have to, a mental health thing is just not doing anything for mm-hmm. one day. Right. Interesting. But all of that stuff is like stuff that it's all upkeep and stuff you need to do. I just wish we could take the stigma out of mental illness. And it sounds so ugly. It's why we're doing this episode. And it's why I'm asking so many questions on air. Yeah. And I just want to be as honest and as open as I can. It's you. It, you know, we always talk about recovering out loud. I mean, this is, this is the same thing. Recover from mental illness out loud too. Because, Everybody's got it, some kind of issue. Oh yeah, no. I just recently it was. I I don't know if it was as deep as what you describe, but then as you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, there, there was a point where you know, like I was moving and like back in a place where I didn't want to be, and then you know, like you're in an area that you, you like. I felt so. I, I felt like I wasn't uh, as productive. As I wanted to be and I went through like you know like a week and a half of like not paying attention to the things that I needed to pay attention to which is mainly my business which is you know like what I'm trying to build yeah and that was obviously hurting me and it was one of those things where but then I was able to just kind of realize you can you know like get out of this and get out of this or rut and start foot in front of and other. start moving and i guess and i guess i don't know if I, I, it's almost kind of upbringing maybe is like that's kind of how we i was always just like you just move you just keep doing things that is upbringing yeah you pull j- yourself up by your bootstraps it's like just get up and start doing something and like and which is why like in in life and in in career, it was always like that's when when like when people would be dragging and they don't know how to get out. Like like when we're work like I remember working with other producers or working in when you know like working in broadcasting and radio and when these people were like they couldn't they they didn't they were very sluggish about things. And I'm like, dude, let's just 
I, I don't need to, like, let's move. Come yeah. on. Keep moving. <laughs> and that's kind of how I was, like, I'm a, like, I always kept going, I'm a stick and move person. Like, that's over. Let's <laughs> go. Let's go. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's why, and like I said, the reason we're doing this episode is because of, of that, is we wanted to just kind of be out loud about it and, and be kind of open about it. And you're going to blog about this. Yes, I'm going to blog about this. We'll it put that out. up at radio.rehab. We're working on a couple of guests. We uh, actually had somebody that was going to, uh, somebody that was actually perfect to talk about this exact subject. Um, but uh, he's on vacation right now, so we're going to have to wait till he gets back. But you've got a couple of people that you know as well. So yes. we're lining up some new guests. So we'll um, And we're going to keep this conversation open for as long as we need to. If you would like to contact us, the email is radiorehab at gochiproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O-Productions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana, D-A-Y-N-A. And you can also... Also go to radio.rehab and read my blog. Keep coming back and ask for help if you need it. Sex and drugs and rock and roll Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll